Welcome to Real Money Talks. Real strategies from the money makers and the world changers that you can use to make millions, keep those millions, multiply your wealth, and build your team. Here's your host, author of five New York Times bestsellers, money expert on Dr. Phil, CNN, CNBC, The Street TV, Fox News, and The View, Laurel Langmire. Hi, this is Laurel, and welcome back to Laurel's Real Money Talks. This is the podcast that is going to make you a millionaire. So we talk about how to make money, a variety of uh, business uh, development ideas and strategies that are being implemented. We talk about how to keep money, how to invest money, and why you need an integrated team. So today I have, a, you're going to re-listen to this podcast over and over and over. We have so much content to share in a very brief time. So get a pen and paper and get ready because we're going to challenge this integrated system of cryptocurrency. We're going to talk about global payment solutions, how they're going to be backed by gold. We're going to have a lot of, I'm going to say, controversy and great conversation. So with that, I'm going to introduce uh, Joey Vanna, who is uh, a recent Big Table member, a member of our community, and just a brilliant man, has um, done a lot of great business and uh, brought this concept and business strategy to us. So I love it. I um, have had David and Joey both out to our community events and uh, look forward to sharing more. So Joey, I'll hand it to you and you can introduce David and Coral. All right. Thank you so much, Laurel. I am very happy to be and excited to be a new member of this community, finding it just great to meet other entrepreneurs and investors and intelligent people doing great things. So thank you for what you've created and to all of you out there who are part of it. What I am excited to bring and introduce to this community now is a an opportunity that I invested in myself earlier this year more as a passive investor and gotten just more excited as the as the thing has grown and gotten much closer to a public launch here. So I started introducing it around to people in the big table and there's been quite a bit of excitement around it. And we have here on the line today a dear friend and the founder of Coro. I'm gonna let David tell you all about it. Well, I'm gonna ask him some questions here. Well you'll learn for yourself why we're so excited about this opportunity. So, David, welcome. Thank you for being here today. Thank you, Joey. Thank you, Laurel. Appreciate you guys uh, making the time for me today. Dave, you know, you are somebody that I've looked to for a very long time as just knowing what's coming next in the world of business and the world of finance. Um, You are a professional investor, right? You manage a multifamily office is a big Mm -hmm. part of your day job. So it's really your job to know what's what's coming next and what opportunities make sense. And I came to you uh, several years ago when I was trying to make some sense out of this cryptocurrency madness that had just seemed to taken the world by storm and, and everybody was getting involved in. And I just, for myself, I couldn't make any sense of it. So I came to you. And why don't, why don't you give the listeners out there and myself a, uh, a brief thought on where you think this world of cryptocurrency is going? Yeah. Well, first of all, this is really exciting to me. And, you know, one of the things I appreciate both about our, our friendship and the, the opportunity with you being involved with Laurel is that you guys are so big on financial education, which is something that really, really, really matters to us. I shared a, much of your confusion as well, even though it is my job on a professional basis to be looking over the horizon and, and navigating new investment trends and themes for, for clients. The, the area of crypto is really a whole different animal. 
And there's a lot of confusion out there and a lot of misunderstandings with the way that it really works. So it's exciting to be able to share some of the things that you, we dug into. So the first thing that I would share with you know the audience here today is that Crypto is not new. It's been around for almost a full decade now, which is important to understand because in the technology field, a lot of things can happen within a decade. And a lot of the enthusiasm around Bitcoin, which was really the first thing that hit people's radar in cryptocurrency, is that that's a that's a network that's now 10 years old. And we're seeing some of the drawbacks of a technological network that has not been updated, despite the enthusiasm for it to to go forward. So when we came into the space, we looked at this and we started to unpack it. And so I've got a background in fintech. My previous business before the, the multifamily offices, as you're aware, Joey, was that I ran an electronic trading platform for Wall Street. And it was an institutional platform. So all our customers were Wall Street banks, effectively. And when you build platforms for Wall Street, the the level of tech that you have to go through and the regulatory landscape is very heavy because you're doing high volume transactions. They're high value transactions. And so there's a lot of safeguards that you have to have in place. And when we first started looking at the cryptocurrency area, the very first thing that jumped out of uh, at us was that there were no safeguards. There were these things that were being promoted as digital assets that were safe, secure, you could hold them. Yet we saw people having their money stolen from them on a regular basis. And that's still happening today. Here it is 10 years later, and people are still getting robbed for their Bitcoins and other digital assets. So when we looked at it, we came to the conclusion that there were a couple key flaws with Bitcoin and blockchain in general. And those flaws at the very beginning is number one is that Bitcoin has been promoted as a as a type of digital currency that is a digital gold. Now, as somebody that has been a longtime investor in gold, we reject this notion that Bitcoin is like gold. So Bitcoin is designed with a limited supply. Yes, that's true. That's like gold. Bitcoin even has this algorithm that requires digital mining, very much like the physical gold market that has real mining. And it has these things that mimic gold. But there is one thing that the community missed when treating Bitcoin like gold, and that was that there is an actual real physical barrier to real gold. It's an element on the periodic table. The other three main precious metals that are out there on the periodic table are silver, platinum, and palladium. And as I often say, unless we get hit by a comet that introduces some sort of new precious metal to the periodic table, there's nothing else to compete with those precious metals here on Earth. However, with digital currencies, as we've seen from 10 years ago prior to today, there's now 40,000 other digital currencies that have been invented since then. So while there may be a limitation in the number of Bitcoins, there's no limitation in creating other digital currencies. So that's a huge, huge, huge issue. There's tons of competition for that. So that's a flaw in the systems. The second flaw is the speed issue. So Bitcoin is designed to transact and do it in a secure fashion, and it's transparent, but it's dreadfully slow. So today's Bitcoin transactions transact at about four transactions per second. This is impossible to commercialize. There's no way you could have that in a modern world where we're used to making digital payments on, you know, MasterCard or Visa card. And MasterCard and Visa card, by the way, transact at about 25 to 35,000 transactions per second. So not only is Bitcoin slow, but it's actually slowing down because of this ever complicated algorithm that requires that. It necessitates that. So we saw that as problem number two. But the third problem that we identified Identified is is a really interesting one and is something that, you know, for the audience that did pull out their pen and paper, they should really take some notes here is that the third piece here is that the way that Bitcoin was designed in our perspective 
was as a really good first draft. So Bitcoin is technically two pieces of technology that are melded together. One is Bitcoin with a big B, which represents the ledger, the network. That's where transactions are recorded. And then there's Bitcoin with a little b, which is the actual token itself. So when we hear about the price of Bitcoin in the news and read about it online, that is the, the token. You cannot use the network without employing the token. You cannot use or transact in the token without the network. Now, at first, that may seem like a rational thing to have, a network and a token together. They seem like they would go together like peanut butter and jelly. But in fact, they do not. It creates a lot of problems from an economic perspective as far as whether or not something actually makes good digital money. And to use an analogy that I think is relatable for the the audience here, I want you to imagine that when you use your ATM, which is part of your the bank networks, that that affects the value of the money that you pull out. So if you were to go to an ATM and punch in a withdrawal of $200 and the ATM spat out $140 or $370, you would find that very dysfunctional for your everyday operating needs. You don't want the impact of a network to affect the value of your unit of account, medium of exchange, and store of value. And this was something that we spotted as being deeply misunderstood by the community and was something that would have to be evolved past that before you could actually see commercial transactions. So those are the the key pieces there. Speed's an issue. There's no limits to being able to compete with it. And you have two pieces of technology that are stuck together, which make it very clumsy to actually be any type of uh, store value and used as money. So I just got to pause there and and, uh, let everybody digest that. Yeah, there's quite a bit to digest there. So what I'm hearing you say is this Bitcoin or this blockchain network, as it relates to cryptocurrency or creating any sort of digital currency, that the technology is out of date. It's not evolved to a point yet where these ideals of cryptocurrency that everyone got excited about could actually be realized. That's correct. You know, so the the spirit of it is very appealing and exciting, right? The spirit of Bitcoin was that we've been coming out of a world where it does not seem fair access to financial services, and it doesn't seem fair that central banks are printing money with reckless abandon. So Bitcoin was born out of the last financial crisis in 2008, 2009. And people said, hey, you know what? This is ridiculous. Banks are being bailed out to the tune of trillions of dollars in the US and globally, and they have not been good stewards of my money. And I would like something that's independent of the the current existing financial system. And to that, Bitcoin's spot on. And, and I think that's why the industry has raised billions of dollars from all over the globe, because that's a shared concern amongst global citizens that maybe things are not all they're quacked up to be in, in the financial system. And, uh, and people are scared. So in that part, it was right. But the actual mechanics of deploying that are a totally different matter. You do have to deal with the real regulations. And that's really the, the fourth challenge that Bitcoin faces is how on earth do you transact in a highly regulated environment? People that have tried to circumvent bank regulation and securities law are finding themselves in really, really, really hot water today. And that's only going to increase. You're going to see additional regulatory oversight. And so you got to be able to navigate the, the current world with where you'd like to see the world go. And that's the whole point of Coro and the reason we chose to enter the space. We, we felt that there were too many participants in the space, but not enough depth of regulatory knowledge and technology knowledge to, to bridge those gaps. Okay, Dave. Well, if the blockchain solution and the cryptocurrencies that are out there, including blockchain, are including Bitcoin, are obsolete, what's next in the space? What What is the solution? What have you been working on? Tell us about it. 
Yeah, absolutely. So a couple of years ago, there was a, a big breakthrough by IBM and the Linux Foundation. And what they did was they were able to create a, a blockchain system that doesn't require a token as part of it. So as you heard me saying earlier, one of the, the challenges and drawbacks to Bitcoin, as well as many of the blockchain uh, systems that are out there, is that they require a token. They necessitate a token to be able to record anything on the ledger. And if you think about it logically, you don't need a token to record money on a ledger. The ledger is really the heart of what's fascinating about these systems. So there was a big breakthrough. Uh, Hyperledger was uh, the system that was created by Linux and uh, the Linux Foundation and IBM. And shortly thereafter, there was a brilliant man named Dr. Lehman Baird that took a, a completely different approach to distributed ledgers. So most distributed ledger technologies are blockchain based. And that's what you hear about in the news. Ninety nine percent of them are all blockchain based. But there's actually a separate branch of distributed ledger technology, which is called directed acyclic graph. And without getting too technical for the audience here, let's just say that it's fast, really, 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 really blazing fast. And Dr. Lehman Baird, who's a career uh, computer scientist, came up with an algorithm to guarantee mathematically that everything on that ledger, all those databases and servers would come into 100% consensus on a transaction. So no token necessary, super fast, and 100% certainty. And you can imagine what a huge breakthrough that is for financial transactions because you need that level of security and consistency to be able to transact. So we got excited when we discovered that, and we created a company called Coro. And Coro is a global money transmission company committed to making cross-border transactions cheaper, faster, and more secure. And what we've done is we're the first company in the world to use Dr. Lehman's technology, the Hashgraph uh, consensus algorithm, and to deploy that in financial transactions in a fully regulated environment. So as a money transmitter, we're required to be regulated in every country in which we operate. We have our federal license in the United States right now and working on several of our state licenses for our launch in January of next year. And what we're doing is what we see the opportunity set is resolving a couple of the bottlenecks in financial transactions. So number one, being able to send money in real time. What most people don't realize is that when you send money across a border, sometimes that can take two, three days to settle. And the fees are often very expensive. In our system, the settlement time is instantaneous. So if you send money to a loved one in another country, they receive it and can spend it within seconds of you pressing the send button. We think that that's important, and that really highlights the power of the of distributed ledger technology. Second, you can send without limits. So for anybody in the audience that's, you know, had the opportunity to use Venmo, Cash App, Zelle, or any of the other peer-to-peer uh, -peer apps, one of the things that you probably notice is that while they're really convenient, they're good technology, is that you have limitations with how much you can send. You can't buy a house using these mobile apps. You can't send somebody $100,000 or do any type of commercial transaction. And we feel that that's a big limitation in the, in the financial system right now, and especially when you're doing international transactions. So we've integrated a, a really interesting uh, set of technology uh, for anti-money laundering and know your customers that removes those limits. So customers can do microtransactions or they can do large uh, value transactions on our system without having to leave and go back into the traditional banking system. So that's the second piece. But the third piece is, is probably what the audience is going to find most interesting is that 
with our career in, in finance and being global macro guys, where our job is really truly looking at the, the winds of change and, and how that's going to affect markets and economies. We believe that the next financial crisis is on the horizon, that the problems from 2008 and 2009 were really just swept under the rug and the magnitude of, you know, debt leverage in the system is going to come back and, and bite us all in the butt. And because of that, what historically happens in these types of conditions throughout civilization is that gold rises as a, a stable currency and a real currency. So we see gold as a currency that's been in use off and on for over 5,000 years. It's effective, it's familiar, it's global. And so what we've done is in addition to being able to transmit regular fiat government-backed currencies on our system, we have created a system that allows you to transact in actual gold. So you have the benefit of using the oldest currency on the planet, but also combined with the most modern technology. So you have the convenience of that. If you wanted to walk into a cafe or a restaurant and be able to purchase your dinner or your coffee with gold, you will be able to do that with our systems starting in 2020 in the United States. So we think that that's exciting. And we think that as financial instability increases, that there will be a growing preference for consumers and and commercial clients to transact in gold, especially internationally. So we're creating the systems and tools to make that doable. Wow. That's uh, really exciting. So what you're saying is you're going to be able to the future of cryptocurrency isn't crypto at all it's going backwards to a gold standard yeah because i think there's a lot of folks because we've had other crypto and you know tokenization and like our audience has been learning about that so is it really going to go away or is it going to move towards i mean just a broader expansion kind of talk about that i'm going to say potential conflict in a lot of people's thinking and understanding yeah it's a it's a raging debate within the crypto community there's a lot of conversation. There's been, you know, shows that have pitted crypto industry against gold guys. And we see a happy medium where the advantage of crypto is the technology. But you have to understand the technology. So most of the market, I would say 99% of the market ignored the fact that the whole hype around tokens was that was a technological design feature of Bitcoin. At the time, the technology hadn't advanced, so you had to use a form of token just to use the ledger. But once that's no longer the case, then it pretty much completely erases the majority of tokens. You know, what is their use case? Just purely as money? Well, you don't need a token for it. You could just make up, uh, you know, a unicorn coin as an example and just record it on any ledger. So when you get rid of the technological limitations, then it turns the conversation to something where we're, we feel that, you know, we're stronger than most because it's our, our career background is that now it turns to the conversation as to, well, what is money? Right? What really is money? And money must serve three characteristics without question to to last and one is a store value the other one is a medium of exchange and the third one is a unit of account so certainly if society agreed to use a unicorn coin then that could form to become money but there's a lot of reasons all the ones that i cited earlier that it wouldn't because first you have a unicorn coin then you have a dragon coin and then you have a pony coin and the list goes on so that's a huge problem that makes crypto not good at competing with something that's in the physical world. And when you look at the physical world, thousands of years of testing different forms of money from coffee beans to seashells to fish 
everything that you could possibly imagine that's been used in barter and indirect barter, it always comes down to gold because of its physical qualities. So we think that that's where it's important to distinguish. Take the ledger, which is the real breakthrough in technology that crypto has brought to the table, and then marry that with something that's served thousands of years as a physical item that has worked as money. So that's where we see those things coming together. So it's a convergence rather than a divergence of the two ideas. Well said. That's exciting because it means that we're going to start to see a lot more commercialization and implementation of some of these ideas and hopes with the new technology that's making it possible. So tell us a, a little more about Coro and what, what some of the functionality is, how these applications will be differentiators. Yeah, specifically around PayPal and Venmo, like, as I see it, what it's deciding to me is our community will be transacting with Coro. So, you know, if we wanted to buy something from each other, we have that same structure. So, you know, give us some distinctions and uh, how to learn more for those of you out listening is uh, with everything on my podcast, you go to Ask Laurel, A-S-K-L-O-R-A-L, AskLaurel.com. Um, you can ask for a direct introduction to David or Joey, have a conversation, learn more about the business, and uh, we can send you out more information. So talk about some of those distinctions. It's exciting. I mean, just in a community structure to have the same payment structure. Um, but I also, you know, I have so many questions. You know, the unbanked, how it's going to affect, like, what's going on in Venezuela. There's so many uses and applications for what you guys are embarking on. It's exciting. Yeah, there's there's tons. So from the user experience, it's very smooth and familiar. The difference is that it's going to be faster. So when we roll out in the United States next year, the audience will be able to download the app, whether you're on an iPhone or Android makes no difference. We'll be in both of the stores. It's free to download because we are regulated in the United States. We are uh, able to connect clients. So just like you would fund your account for Venmo from a, a regular bank account, you'll be able to attach that within the app. And what it allows you to do is basically to to send with confidence and convenience. You can send dollars or send gold or exchange between them. And as we start to roll out into other countries, you will then have the benefits of being able to use the currencies from those countries as well. So, for example, in 2020, our country rollout roadmap includes Mexico and Canada as well as Venezuela. And Venezuela is a country that's very near and dear to my heart. My brother and I used to have a foundation for the country. And for those that are listening, you're probably aware that Venezuela has been in the midst of a currency crisis for almost a decade itself. And, you know, it's really the heart of the crisis is the government control over the currency and the way that they've eroded it. So we are very excited. We're working with the United Nations uh, recognized government to obtain a money transmission license there. And we hope to be introducing Coro into Venezuela in Q1 of next year, which is, is tremendously exciting. So Americans and Venezuelans will be able to transact seamlessly without limits. And to touch on the the unbanked, Laurel, I'm glad you, you brought that up because that's something that everybody would like to see. So the United Nations has put a, a, a statement out. They want to see countries focused on financial inclusion. And we spent a lot of time looking at this and we realized that the the bottleneck for financial inclusion it's a regulatory issue more than anything else. It's not a big tech issue. It's actually, it's a regulatory issue. So in Mexico and Colombia, Latin America and around the world, the cost for banks to service customers with low balances, but high volume is too expensive. It actually costs them more money than they'll ever make on that. But because we've streamlined the compliance 
compliance aspects into our technology, we can do that compliance for pennies on the dollar, yet do it more comprehensively than existing banks do, which makes regulators happy and feel secure that we're combating money laundering and terrorist financing. We do all those things and then some, but we can serve the unbanked. And to put a number on this, there's 1.8 billion smartphone users worldwide that have no access to financial services. So thanks to Coro, we'll be able to provide financial services to that large you know, part of the population with ease and convenience, making it more secure for them to, to transact and be included in global commerce. So we're very excited about that. So give us a little time frame, David. So the, we're, it's our, Coro's already a publicly traded company. And just kind of give us a timeline of the application coming out, our ability to use it, give a little structure to it. And again, those of you that are excited about it, want to learn more, we do have a whole formal presentation I can send out to you. So go to asklaurel.com, make a request there, and we'll get it right out to you, and we'll continue our conversation. And uh, you know we'll be bringing these guys uh, back to our podcast. But give some timeline uh, before we end today. Yeah, so we expect to do our, our soft launch in Q1 of next year. Any of the audience members that are listening today, definitely please visit Laurel's website. Leave your information there. We'll make sure that you're on our first list of users so that you have first access before anybody else. We invite you guys all to to try the app, test it out, and give your, your feedback. So you'll have a first look uh, thanks to the relationship with Laurel. But, yes, we plan on rolling it out in the United States in, in the first quarter. And then uh, we'll start our international expansion, including Venezuela in Q2. And then Mexico and Canada as we start to head into uh, Q3 and Q4. And then from there, we'll grow through Latin America and then looking at, at Europe from there. So for those of your audience members that, you know, have relatives or do business in the Americas, you're going to find this app a, a lifesaver and something that's you know, makes it convenient and cheap to be able to transact, to send money to loved ones or just to be able to collaborate and cooperate with business people in other countries. So that's our rollout roadmap. Awesome. Well, I appreciate you being on, Joey. Any uh, final words for our audience for this moment uh, as we be back as uh, this business and the project continues to develop? Yeah, just to reach out and connect. Um, love to to hear from you guys. This opportunity is something that's interesting. Great. Uh, if not, you've got things you want to discuss. We're here to be a part of it. And thank you for having us. Thanks, Dave. Thanks, Joey. And again, those of you that want to know more about Coro, it's C-O-R-O, if you're uh, curious about it. And uh, right now, if you uh, went to the app, you would just be getting in line for it to be released. So come on over to askworld.com and ask a question, make a request, and I will make sure that we follow through with you and continue our progress reports as uh, the project unfolds. So thanks, you guys. And again, those of you that are on a, a regular listening of our podcast. We'll be back uh, again next week with more. And as we head towards the end of the year, we'll be wrapping up and making sure that, you know, taxes are structured, your qualified plans are structured, and what you need to make sure that 2019 is the best you can make it uh, will be coming in the next few weeks. Take care. We'll talk soon. Thanks for listening to the Real Money Talks podcast. Your host has been Laurel Langmire, author of five New York Times bestsellers, money expert on Dr. Phil, CNN, CNBC, The Street TV, Fox News, and The View. Want to learn more about off-Wall Street investing, tax strategies, and multi-million dollar business strategies? Visit liveoutloud.com slash podcast for past episodes, show notes, and resources. For some special wealth building gifts only for Laurel's podcast listeners, 
visit liveoutloud.com slash podcast gifts. Do you have a burning question for Laurel? Visit asklaurel.com to submit your question, and it may just be covered on a podcast episode. So stay tuned and be sure to subscribe to get new episodes every week. 